Welcome to the first edition of Turn a Page, the Nerd Initiative Comic Book Club done by the Nerd Initiative Bullpen. What is going on, everyone? My name is Ken M. You might know me best from being the host of the ODPH podcast, but I'm also Nerd Initiative Comics Editor-in-Chief, and I brought some of the Bullpen members on here because what we're going to do here is make this a weekly show where we are talking the best in comics, comic stories you want to know about, bringing creators on, about books that you need to have in your collection each and every week, and so much more. But before we get into our first edition, like I said, I got to introduce our panel. And to my left, your right, I can't do his introduction any better than he does himself, so I'm just going to turn it right over to him. Coming at you live and direct, straight from a folding chair in the ODPH studio, my name is Off the Cuff Tom, your pop culture connoisseur, friend of the ODPH. Thank you so much for having me on here, Nerd Initiative. Thank you so much, Mr. Ken, for bringing me on. I This is a momentous occasion, and I cannot wait to share all these comics and all these stories with all these people out here in Soccerland. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on the show and joining us on the screen. You know him as one half of the dynamic duo that brings you the pop culture news each and every week with a beverage to go along with it. One of our favorite writers here on Nerd Initiative. And if you're not checking out his weekly blog section, you need to go make sure that's in your folder. Give it up for the one and only Matt Roth. Matt, what is going on? What's up, guys? Yes, I am Matt. I come from... Uh... A show called Hopskeek News, where we talk about beer, comics, all that good stuff. And uh, I'm also a renowned pumpkin spice enthusiast, of course. And it's that time of year. <laughs> but man, the Nerd Initiative team, yes. If you weren't checking all of your everybody's stuff out, yep. first things first, like do that. Subscribe right now while we're doing this. And uh, man, it's a pleasure to be here. Oh, man, it's a pleasure to finally get this going off the ground because... We are all big comic fans, and that's the one thing that you're going to get from this show is we're going to give you our honest opinions about stories that we think that should be in your collection. We're bringing on creators that, seriously, you need to make sure that you're reading because we are going to try guiding you into just picking up some of the best of the best each and every week. And we're taking deep dives into stories that we feel need a new look, maybe just a different opinion, but stuff that we are recommending to you because you're not going to come on here and hear us bash anything. That's not what we do here at the Nerd Initiative. We'd like to give you the best stories possible because we want to make this such a community welcoming comics is for everybody. That's a motto we live by. And we thought, what better way to start off this edition than go over a series that has been reflected in pop culture on Disney Plus with a show that just wrapped up. But I feel that it's the story that everybody should know about firsthand. And that is Secret Invasion. And that is the Brian Michael Bendis and Linnell Francis Yu story from 2009. One of the most interesting concepts for a story. Would you agree, Tom? Quite, uh, in fact. What's fantastic about, about this is that, you know, I am a mythos person. I know of characters. I know of the things that have happened to them. But as far as storylines are concerned, like, this is a new endeavor for me. So this is going to be really interesting to get a outsider's perspective of the comics that we know the i know the characters i know the things but i don't know the things they've been through technically so reading this really within the first few pages of the first issue i'm like freaking out jumping out of my chair yelling at my wife oh my god they did this oh my god they did that so this is this is just gonna be fantastic and fun ride for me matt when you first checked out this story what was your first impressions Man, I'm going to be honest. When I very first read this, I was a, a comic novice. Not that I pretend to know a lot, right? But there was a lot going on in a very short amount of time in this. And to to be able to kind of sift through that at the beginning, I, was, I had no idea what was going on. And so when I got to reread this recently just to prepare for the show, 
it made a lot more sense, but man, it is, there's a lot happening. That is my first impression that will always be with me. Like you're hit right from the get go. Absolutely. The one thing that fans might not realize because currently it's an Avengers world and we all know from the MCU that that has been the most dominant characters coming out of Marvel comics as of late. But during this time, Brian Michael Bendis took over the Avengers franchise and really was doing some creative things and really gave new life to the franchise, which it started swinging back when the movies were there. Because before that, it was all X-Men line, and there's nothing wrong with that. As a diehard X-Men fan, I will talk about that all day, every day. But seeing the creativity that was coming back to the Avengers storyline, and especially this concept, which is so detailed and layered in principle, because... We always know the Skrulls have always been associated with the Fantastic Four and from their initial run in the, way back when and how it ended with them turning into cows. And if you really want a wild series to go read, Skrull Kill Crew, I'm just going to say go look on it um, at your local comic shops or Marvel Unlimited to see how that kind of tailed off. But to see how they were introduced in this manner that they had been planning for so long to take revenge on the Illuminati because the one thing that I think Bendis did really well is he really tied in that the Illuminati of the Marvel Universe, the ones that think they know it all, really screw up a lot. I mean, that's my opinion of them. That just for being Reed Richards and Namor and Black Bolt and and the list goes on and on, they really find ways to just completely drop the ball. Like, wouldn't you agree? Oh, they're narcissistic pricks. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's one way to put it, but we, we can't exactly lie. But I mean, Tony Stark is Tony Stark. So that's the one thing with him that you see when he's making a lot of plans that he's always the focal piece when they go after somebody about it. And it's always kind of like a wild thing to, for me to see, because I remember when Tony Stark was such a, a B-level character and then his rise now currently in Marvel. I mean, he's, he's such a A-lister. Oh, yeah. And, and to see now his effects that he's such a flawed character and to see that he and Reed Richards are behind this. It's kind of a wild concept, like wouldn't you agree? Oh, ab- absolutely. I mean, it's it's their comeuppance. You know, for every the road to hell is paved in good intentions, and as good intentions as the Illuminati think they are, it balances out in the cosmic long run. Yeah, like Matt, wouldn't you like when you think about the Illuminati and and basically they're the cause of all this? Like, how does that sink in for you? I mean, you're 100 percent right. They they are. Through and through. And, it, and it, one thing that always sticks out is any of these big storylines that we get, such as Secret Invasion, Secret Wars, it doesn't matter what it is. Um, you mentioned earlier, too, like the Fantastic Four, this is the, a core story for them. They always are. And uh, which kind of made me laugh because there's a there's a line by Natasha where she basically says, Tony, you know, why do you think they tried to brainwash you so bad? It's because you're you're the most important person. You're the most important person. And then five minutes later, it's like, oh, no, we got Reed Richards back. Mm. Yeah. Sorry about that. I had somebody was saying the audio was off. So we're just trying to check levels here, but no, I, but I agree with you. I mean, that's the whole thing about this concept is just with the Illuminati being re- the result of it and destroying the scroll homeworld. I mean, oh, yeah. at the end of the day, like that's the catalyst for it. And it's kind of like almost thrown away for a certain degree. But then when they bring it back now that when this event happens and it happens so subtly because in the, va- in the pages of new Avengers, that's where Electra is found out to be a scroll. Everybody has this big like, like sense of like, wait, what happened? And then as the story kicks in, I mean, you think about it, 
Tom, when you opened that first page of issue number one, like what was the reaction as you're reading this? Oh, it was guttural. It absolutely was. Um, again, just walk, having this fresh perspective, again, my comic knowledge is, is one way and the other. Like I know Secret Invasion over here in, in you know, pop culture, how they did it in Earth's Mightiest Heroes cartoon, how they adapted it to the Wii U video game, and again, what we've gotten on TV. So for the first pages for me to open up and see an autopsy, Mm-hmm. Uh, that was very nicely blocked. Just saying. Uh, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> well, oh man! Comics are for everyone, even kids, so they blocked it out nicely. Uh, yeah, that was it. Was something to go. Yeah, and then Matt. I mean, when you're going through the initial pages here, like what? How would you describe that to new readers? As far as new readers go, it can be almost daunting, like confusing. I get it. Cause for a second there, I was like, Oh man, yeah, I'm, I, you know, I'm with you guys to where it was, I kind of forgot about this story. Cause I focused more on the pop culture side of things. So when I started to read mm-hmm. it again, I was like, wait, when did she, when was she a scroll? And then you're kind of going through, it was like, wait, who is the scrolls? Who was not? And then you're seeing just double of every hero right off the bat. And it's hard not to get excited too, at the same time amongst all the chaos. Yeah. And especially too, at this time, I mean, you're coming off the heels of civil war Tony Stark is in charge of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is crazy enough to think about. And there's so much, you know, tension between the superheroes. Oh, very much. You know, oh, yeah. and, and to see and to see now the Skrulls pick their moments and to start attacking. And like I say, when they really went after it, they were so thought out about going after S.H.I.E.L.D. and how they set up everybody. And especially going after Reed Richards because they have the most history with them. They never seem to find a way to stop him, even though they've tried doing everything they can in their powers to do it, even with the creation of Super Scrolls. Correct. So now it's like they take him off the board. Tony is infected with this crazy virus that is completely killing him, and he really has no background. And then when they finally make their moves, like it's finally unveiled, the superheroes are just so thrown off their games. And this is something I thought Ben has really dived into is he really played into the paranoia factor. Oh, very much. I mean, it, they pulled the rug out right underneath them, and they had nowhere to go. Like, they didn't even have time to hit the floor, if you think about it. They they, they fell into a hole right underneath, you know, like, whoosh, like Bugs Bunny cartoon. Whoosh, they pull out the carpet <laughs> and they hit, hit the hole. And, yeah. there's no, and they're like, where am I going? And just that whole idea of what is happening, what is going on here, there's no real way to have any recourse for it or, or how to rebound from it. Mm-hmm. It You yeah. just had to go with it second by second and live or die kind of moments. Yeah. And when we they, think about the... Oh, go right ahead, Matt. Okay, I was going to say, uh, to tag on to that, they do a really good job of essentially capturing the fog of war too, right? I mean, oh, yeah. it's a it's a kind of a blitzkrieg almost with the scrolls just, boom, they're there all of a sudden and now you got this chaos it's whether it's new york whether it's on the helicarrier whether doesn't matter where it is everybody's just confused but at the same time it's like you're trying to protect earth and they do a really good job of kind of building up that tension of all right so who really is the scroll and you're just all sorts of fog and going on and they did a really good job of capturing that right off the bat oh absolutely i think when especially you really hit that moment when the new avengers wind up in the savage land and like that's where you can really tell it sinks in for everybody because, I mean, when the initial attack happens, they're going after the Illuminati because of what they did to the scroll world. But now it's affecting everybody. And then when you see that moment where everybody sees each other for the first time, and at this moment, the heroes are coming out and acting like, oh, 
who are all these? And I know we have the screen, the screenshot up now in chat. Feel free to give us your comments about this moment is when you see the initial reactions of everybody seeing each other for the first time. This is a moment that you're going, oh, whoa, like what is going on? Because that was my reaction reading this. I said sweet Christmas. So I'm just saying two little pages <laughs> on, on pages and I had to. One of the things, yeah. too, is if they the the everybody coming off the ship, too, was in their retro outfits. Like you got yes. retro stars, you got retro Luke Cage, like everybody's in their throwback uniforms and it kind of makes you pop. It's hard not to. Yeah. I mean, that was a cool thing, too, because it's set up if these are real. How long has the scrolls been planning this? And to do that kind of build, that's what really made this story so interesting off the jump because the scrolls have always been kind of, you know, throwaway characters. I mean, let's be honest. They're they're, yeah, they're yeah. good shoe-ins for when they need a, a bad guy of the week. Yeah. But we've never really taken them that seriously in this extent. I mean, except for the Kree scroll war way back when in in the 70s and the Avengers. But at this level, it's like this is so well plot out. And especially when you see the Avengers finally meeting there and they don't know what to do because Reed Richards is gone. He's off world. Right. And there's no way to tell who is real and who is not. And it brings up one point, And I mean, for me, this is what really sold like how emotional this was. And I was talking with Tom off air about this. And Matt, I just want to ask you. When the reveal happens about Mockingbird and Hawkeye. October 12th. Yeah. Yes. How much of a gut punch is that moment? Well, it's hard not to feel emotional, right? Because Hawkeye was, he was so convinced that she was a scroll. And then, you know, tell me something that only we would know. And she brings up something very personal. I mean, they were going to, you know, they thought their baby's date was going to be October 12th. They thought that was the due date. Mm -hmm. So something very personal. So the, for the scrolls to pull that deep and dig that deep. And then it turns out that, wow, this whole time, like somebody else knew something that personal that he was very vulnerable in this moment in this whole time. It's like, wait, we were the only ones that should have known that. How did this scroll know that? And it's, it's heartbreaking, especially, you know, for Clint, because he's yeah. already having to figure out and like shoot his friends who are, who he thinks is his friends. Right. And on top mm -hmm. of that, this is a traumatic experience. Yeah. I think the one thing, too, with Hawkeye, he's very underrated about how good of a hero he is because, obviously, doesn't have superpowers, can shoot arrows all day. But it's the actions he takes, and, oh, that screenshot right now, too, yeah. I mean, it explains it. When that moment happens, like, you know, he represents what a hero should be because he just goes with his emotion. He goes what he feels is right. And, like, when that moment hits and he's like, I know we're in battle, but it's like, how do I prove this? And when that moment hits, it's like it takes him out of being the superhero and just makes him a normal human being. And that's why I think why so many people connect to him on that level. Because like I say, he could be like Captain America with super strength, Iron Man with a suit, Thor with uh, Asgardian powers. But this is where it really brings him. And this is kind of what made him, I don't want to say like a breakout moment for him, but I think after the series came out, like he really caught a lot more people's attention. Well, he was also one of like the most unsung heroes of this because he really puts in work. I mean, he nails that final arrow to the face in you know at the final battle of all things, and he kind of just goes to work. And to me, he's probably like one of the MVPs of this entire you know run. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Tom, would you say so? I would completely agree. I think that um, 
having all the different styles of teams on there is, is also really nice, especially seeing, you know, what happened and how we see the uh, Secret Avengers and what's going on with their turmoil in the first few issues. And then we see what's going on with the Mighty Avengers and then we get stuff with the initiative. So I really think that everybody got their time to shine, but definitely focusing in on certain key characters from each team made it all the more relatable. Yeah. No, I completely agree with you on that. And especially, too, I love how you brought up the point, too, about the the Avengers initiative. Not to get confused with nerd initiative, because I think if we ever did the <laughs> scroll secret invasion, I think, amongst our Discord chat, which you'd be signing up for at nerdinitiative.com. It is one of those things, like, when you see this play and then you see, like, just how Nick Fury is such a factor in this as well, too. Mm-hmm. Like, that's one key factor as well, because... At this point, he's got his own group that he's been building behind the scenes. Right. And almost in preparation of this. Like, that's the kind of crazy thing about it. Now, what caught me off guard with that, especially because it was Nicholas J. Fury that we had on there, not Sam Jackson Mm -hmm. Fury. I didn't realize at that point that we still had old school David Hasselhoff Nick Fury. Yeah. So that might be the case. Oh, hey, it's the Hoff. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, to see because I mean that's obviously was I I think before they started doing the um, Nicholas uh, Fury Jr. Right because yeah because I mean obviously if if you read the comics Nick Fury that you know from there became the Watcher and and, and just all types of craziness after this up for another episode yes but to see how he takes hold of what is going on and just leading in these rookies into battle like to put that in perspective can you just imagine if you have a team of untrained individuals. Some have different variations of powers. Mm-hmm. And you have to go, you have to stop a million scrolls that are invading <laughs> and taking over. And they've already taken out the Avengers. They've taken out the Fantastic Four. Like, what do you think their odds are? You know, like, that's the crazy yeah. thing. I mean, Matt, what do you think about that? It's daunting, right? I mean, you're just dropped right in the middle, and it's like, wait, they already took out who again? And what do you, what do you expect us to do? Mm-hmm. And they're a very, you know, green team. So it's, but at the same time, it's hard not to get excited, you know, seeing the Howling Commandos kind of pop back on screen. It takes you right back and it gets you excited and kind of one of those jump for joy moments that you're so used to reading in a lot of comic books. Mm -hmm. Were they really the green team? Well played. (laughs) Just saying. Thanks, JJ. But to see how that all kind of goes up too as well. I mean, that's such a, a moment as well. Like I say, to stress that point, too, like Nick Fury really is one of the unsung heroes of this series. Oh, yeah. And especially how he's literally holding it down, fighting everybody. Meanwhile, the Savage Land is going on. And then you have Officer Brand sneaking it into the Skrull spaceship to free Reed Richards, which turns out to be one of the craziest moments you've seen because of how they have him tortured. And the moment he gets freed. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, right there on the screen, we have the Secret Warriors, which... To see like their dramatic debut, especially with how under wraps that series was, and then see them really kind of flourish here. I mean, that was a really excellent moment. And then you just take... look at the size of that gun, real quick. By yeah. the way, can we just talk about like the massive gun that Fury's just packing in this? As somebody it's ridiculous, as somebody that has read many Image comics from the 1990s and X Force, <laughs> like that just takes me back. If you just had more pouches, it would be like the greatest oh, moment yeah. ever, especially on the ankles. Yes. Oh my God. Yeah, that just. But that gun, yeah, I agree with you. Like, that is just some weird video game nonsense that is just absolutely insane, and I love it. And that's kind of what you have to have here, too, because, I mean, obviously, a space 
next invasion in the Marvel Universe, you're going to do some kind of crazy stuff. And that's what you see here, too. And just to see him go completely wild and lead these troops in, and nobody has any idea who it is until Reed Richards is finally freed, makes a machine in, like, under a minute, pretty much. I mean, As he does. It, that's how it felt like to me. And he's like, oh, yeah, here's how it goes. And, yeah, right there on the screen, you can see how they— This are... was a brutal sequence. Too. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Did yeah. not see that coming from Hank. Oh, no. Or because, Skrull Hank. Yeah, because we had Skrull Hank, too. And especially like how deep rooted the the setup was. I mean, it, it kind of echoes a little bit what happens on the TV show, but to see how it really worked here, there's so many other moving parts that really make this so more impactful. Oh yeah, the, you got to think the scrolls planned this, and they planned it so well. And Matt Matt put it perfectly. It was a blitzkrieg maneuver. They hit every point all at the same time. It, you know, it really, really, you just got to give it to the to the to the chins yeah i agree with you oh, brad yeah. in the chat there uh the kickback on that thing must be crazy I absolutely if you see this thing go off you're like how is he still standing but then again we just define <laughs> it up as we do on the odph reasons but it still works yes. in this moment yeah i mean but that's how the, the craziness of this and then especially when you have all the drama going on in the savage land and you have the jessica drew scroll queen reveal oh talk to us about this tom that it, it, you know, just like you said earlier, the psychological aspect that you were getting out of this of who's a scroll, who's not a scroll, who can I trust, who can I trust, to take Spider Woman that everybody, I mean, to my knowledge, again, mm -hmm. everybody loves Spider Woman, Jessica Drew Spider Woman. So to see this 180 like that really just it was it was a whole turn. Like I didn't see it coming, and you know, it's been how many years? I might know the story, but again, it just it was kicking my foot you know yeah i mean matt how did you feel about the the jessica drew spider queen or scroll queen reveal it's uh no I'm, I'm with tom i mean it's it's hard not to be like taken aback but at the same time it, it's kind of like a you know say roman reigns when he to his heel turn right we're so used to seeing that face and that's what she was and that's what she always is people always remember jessica drew as a face but to get that chance to kind of do the 180 mm -hmm. Fewer things get me more excited than to see when characters get to play the opposite of themselves. It just gets me just wicked pumped to see this side of the character because you never really get to see it. Yeah. And one great thing here, too, is when she's almost doing like the mental breakdown of Tony Stark. Oh, because when Tony is so yes. sick, it was it was a mental mind. <laughs> yeah. Like how brilliant Bendis's writing was because you can see how she's laying out the whole battle plan and saying like, there's nothing you can do about it. And he is literally public enemy number one in the scroll nation about what he did because he's the head of the Illuminati. And then sure enough, when you have that moment go down, like it's just one of the more intense scenes that I think Bendis really just wanted to drive home. Like you understand what the scrolls are doing. And you understand like they're how mad they are because when you have your home world blown up and you're basically left for dead because Tony Stark and Reed Richards thinks it's a great idea, you really have to kind of put it in perspective. And it, like I don't want to say you empathize with them, but you can kind of understand their logic behind this. I mean, that's how I kind of read it. That I don't know how you guys feel about that. I agree. Totally. Uh, like, like you said, it's, they're, they're just so devastated. Where do they, where do they get back at him that way? How does it, where can we be so severe and take the human race out at the same time? Yeah. 
And it, it just plays into it. Like I say, we see the shot on the screen too where Natasha has to come and save him, Black Widow. And you just see about how he's just so broken down just because one thing that I thought Bendis didn't shy away from, mm-hmm. and I thought use artwork really showed this, is when the moments hit that Tony has screwed up, and this is on him, you see just how unhinged he is. Like he's not the cool, calm Tony Stark that pop culture fans know from the movies and the comic fans know in recent years as the coolest Avenger in the room. You see him really broken and how he can't fix this. And how it's drawn, too. You see the, the turmoil and, and the tension in his face. Yeah. And, and the, the wrinkles and the just a man apart from himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's just such a unique factor that they decided to do with this. And I, I loved how they brought it up, to, you know, right there and really just wanted to drive that point home. Like, your heroes will win this. I mean, we all know usually the good guys win at the end of the day, unless it's Watchmen or something like that. But... <laughs> In this situation, you really had a sense of, like, maybe they're going to go something game-changing here. Yep. And maybe they're going to push that envelope a little further to go. And especially when you see Vernak, who is the Skrull Queen, right? and how she's setting everything up, it just really is kind of pushing everybody to their limits. And especially, too, when you have Kriti Knoll, who is the one that was posing as Hank Pym, Pym, you know, getting involved, too. And especially when they know they're losing, they have to really adapt, and how they do the sleeper agent, which I'll get to in a second. Because, I mean, there's so many great parts about this. And, Chad, if there's one moment in this series that you want to talk about, throw it in there, too, because we don't mind deep diving about this. Because we're just kind of naming about, like, the great parts of this series that you want to check out. Because if you've only seen the TV show, you really want to make sure to check this series out. Oh, yeah. And, again, if you yeah. flip back to the uh, Disney series, of uh, Earth, Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes, by far one of my favorite adaptations of Marvel characters uh, ever. It They only did it in two, three episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, highly recommend. Everybody goes on your Disney Plus, check it out, put it in your queue. But this is soup to nuts different, honestly. I mean, you put the nuts in the soup if you want and just put it all together and blend it up and enjoy it. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's all of the media is good. Yeah. And then especially... When you go into the other moving parts, like I say, there's one aspect that came up in this. And I understand at the time, I don't think it made a lot of sense to everybody, but I think it does now. Yeah, considering who the character I think you're going to talk about. How, the hood? How, oh, no. I was going the hood. Who are you going with? I was going with Jarvis. Well, Jarvis is there, too, so I'll let you take that first. But I want to get to the hood point, too, because I think that that's going to be something I want to bring in a little bit. But go right ahead. Mm. So as another sleeper agent, having Jarvis in there and now all of us, again, in social media and pop culture, you know, we've been in the past decade understanding that Jarvis then became the vision and this and so on and so forth. But to actually see physical Jarvis still there in that run and to see him be a sleeper agent in Tony's house and then what goes down with uh, Jessica and Luke's kid totally did not see that. Like. You're the family. You're literally almost to some effect the Alfred of Marvel mm-hmm. in in some oh, aspects, yeah. you know. And then again, like Matt said, that 180 that you got out of it, just to see that heel turn was mind blowing to say the least. Yeah, because especially like how he comes there you out, go. Right, right on, on the screen. screen there, right how he just comes walking on the helicarrier. And it's just so calm. He's like, yes, I've been wondering if you were so kind to take our full offer and surrender to Maria Hill. And Maria Hill's like, no. And it winds well, up blowing up the helicarrier, too. 
especially because a lot of these characters they see Jarvis and they're like that comfort, right? They they're so used to him being that that go to that comfort. Hey, I can lean on you. So you see it with Jessica leaving their child, you see it Maria at first, even it's like, Oh, thank God Jarvis is here. And then it's like, Nope, not yeah. at all. It's that the gravity of the series and the situation, you're just like, dang, this is, this is heavy. It's full of brutal moments too. Oh yeah. The emotional toll it takes on so many characters here too. Like I say, Hawkeye and Mockingbird just jumps off the page here. Jessica Jones and Luke Cage, it jumps off the page at the Oof. end. And especially, it eventually gets rectified in a good manner, but it also leads into the next big crossover that was going on in Marvel with Dark Reign and the worst decision by any uh, government this side of Jar Jar Banks getting elected as a senator to put Order 66 through. I'm saying it, yes, at ODPH Podcast if you want to talk about that. But I am just saying in this moment, like you have those emotional gut punches in there and just how... Bendis is weaving this and especially with used artwork and then how they kind of tie into some other elements that they were having linger around and that's the hood and I know that we have not seen that character lately obviously there's a lot of rumors about pop culture is going to get introduced to him sooner than later but to see about how he was working behind the scenes yep and I think that added just this weird layer to the story because the hood is all about crime and about being better than Kingpin, more or less. And he obviously has magical powers to do this. But when he sees no earth is not good for business and literally gets his syndicate involved, how wild is that moment, Tom? Didn't see it coming, I'll be quite quite honest. I, I mean, I'm, again, familiar with the hood and obviously what's coming soon, you know, with Ironheart and everything. But to see, oh, okay, all right, we're going there. We're getting some mysticism in here. We're getting some magic. You know, even with uh, what Iron Man said earlier, that the scrolls can't be detected by technology, by mutant powers, and now we've got magic. Like, they're just throwing the whole pot of powers at the scrolls and see what hits. Mm-hmm. I mean, Matt, what was your reaction to the Hood's choice here? You can clearly tell that uh, Bendis and team are having a lot of fun, and they were like, what are parameters? Like, what can't we do? And Marvel was just basically like, nothing go ahead so, and he was like all right let's see how crazy we can get and we get real crazy as evidenced right with i mean him even being like it's bad for business which yeah makes sense from a villain standpoint right they don't want their world to end they still want to be able to have their empires and things of that nature so it really made sense what do you think about it yeah oh absolutely and especially i mean the hood is one of bendis's characters and to really put him in that kind of spotlight and really establish him as a true threat and how much of a force of nature he has to be with what he can do and the army he has, they have to become the good guys in this weird flipping, you know, like we talked about the 180s of heel turns yep. and face turns to use wrestling terminology. To see this happen is a crazy scene. And then just to see how it's all tying together because when you have these big battles going on and then ultimately leading up into one of the crazier situations happening, and that is with the wasp. And what Mm -hmm. happens to her that you see how layered the story is. You see how Bendis was basically just writing like if if they're if they wind up losing, they do have a plan B and they wind up initiating it because once Reed Richards comes in, hits the magic button, we now know who are scrawls. There's a lot of heartbreaking moments here too, because as much as the information of October twelfth comes in. Oh god, yeah. You know, you, you do see how Hawkeye is reacting to it. 
and you do see how the scroll queen Varek is like ready to claim victory and winds up getting an arrow for it because obviously, and that was the perfect person to do it too. And, oh, and yeah. on top of it, the fact that you know at that point Clint was Ronan, he put down his bow, but he picked up Kate's. Yeah, you know that that's the that was just the moment of is this his turning point that he's ready to be Hawkeye again in the, in that perspective. Or is he doing this out of sheer revenge and going to what he knows? Mm-hmm. And that's just what he's such a great character. Like I say, I love seeing this out of Hawkeye mm-hmm. because obviously he had he had probably the more like everybody had these big emotional moments and personal ones. But I think for him, it's like right there on the screen too. You can see just the rage in him and just everything pour out that he's just like, you've really gone out of your way to mess with me on a different level. This is beyond good and evil. This is beyond superheroes and supervillains. Like, we now have to address the situation. Very much. To put it mildly. He got right to the tip. Yeah. Point. Yeah, he got right, he got right to the point about that. And then, obviously, when he takes out the Scroll Queen, you see the plan B is activated. And mm. that is they basically make the Wasp a living bomb. Mm. A dirty that, bomb at that. Yeah, I mean, break it down for us here. God, so they alluded it to it earlier, and I was like, huh, you know, when you're initially reading, you're like, where are they going? Okay, they have a, with the wasp, what, okay, she shrinks, are they going to do something with that? But no, we get this, this sequence of basically Hank Pym, they get a flashback, and he's injecting her with, you know, essentially turning her into that bomb at that moment, and that's when everything hits her, and it's just, what do you think of Ant-Man and the Wasp? You think Hank Pym and Janet Van Dyne, that's just mm. PB&J right there. And so to understand that Hank was never Hank and she's never going to see Hank again and Hank's going to come back eventually to realize what happened to Wasp, it's a heavy moment, man. And luckily for Thor to kind of come in and save the day, but really Mm. all the heroes are like, what? You know, even in victory, there is death. And as you see here right in this panel, it's it's a beautifully well-drawn panel. It is very heavy-hitting and emotional, and it's, it's sad. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing, keeping that shot on screen, too. How you paint this, and, like, literally, you can just feel in this whole beautiful panel spread that it just completely takes your breath away because you're just seeing just the build is finally paying off here. You see so many various characters involved, too. And especially the one that really kind of stood out to me, which was a weird to see because we're used to seeing the heroes going on here. But you see the Watcher in the background. And he can't get involved. But when you see him in any Marvel event, Mm -hmm. it's a thing. Yeah, it's DEFCON 5. And the best part is... They even mentioned that. that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, with Spidey, of all people. Like, I'm glad Spidey got his... That was his moment to shine right there. Mm -hmm. Like, oh yeah, Uatsu's here. Shit. Yeah, like, it sinks in. But the one character that felt out of place, but he winds up being the hero of the day, is Norman Osborn, of all people. Yes. Yeah. Like this it's moment. There he is. Yeah. There yeah, there's Watu uh just watching and just like how like and he can't get involved. And it almost looks like in that panel too, he's crying. And the on his yeah. left here, his yeah. left eye. It almost looks like he's crying. The shadows, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and to have that emotion too, because I mean the wasp has been obviously one of the founding members of the Avengers. She's also the heart of the team in a lot of adaptations. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And to see this moment happen, like you see the heartbreak of the Marvel Universe go down. Mm -hmm. Because as much as they win, they lose. And they lose badly. Because the Wasp is unfortunately killed off at this moment. 
And the hero of the day is Norman Osborn, who's Dark Avengers, a.k.a. Thunderbolts at this moment. Yep, yep. Wind up becoming the heroes of the public eye. Much in the same vein, if you will, of the boys. Comparing different universes, but it's it's kind of in that same manner. Because, obviously, we know Norman is evil to the core. I, even in his redemption phases, you know, for a cup of coffee, he still is evil. I'm sorry, that's just my opinion about that. But it's but it's true. It's to see him get the kill shot with the weapons Deadpool, of all people, stole. Yep. And he's now the public hero because you see that news camera behind him in that shot, too. Yeah, how convenient. Yeah. Like, it's almost so staged. It, it's... It's picture perfect. It's perception is reality instead of perception versus reality. Yeah. And to see this shot here that we have on screen as well, too, to see him standing with all the heroes, and especially the Spider-Man on the other side of Wolverine, too, as they're ready to make that final play. Like, it's just an insane moment to think about that Norman Osborn, a hero? And one then, thing I really sorry, I didn't no, go ahead, no, go ahead. Right, one thing that I noticed when I'm looking at this page, of course, is if you see all the heroes, they're kind of clumped together, and then Norman's kind of separated, which is just beautiful writing. Their storytelling within the artwork, as always, mm-hmm. and they just absolutely go to the next level on these ending pages. Yeah, no, I agree with you too. One thing about the artwork too, and if I can ask Michael, who's been so gracious to produce this for us. If we can get a, a battle sequence, like one of the full page ones, I want to see if I can find something on here because there was one little thing. Like, uh, thank you. There was one little aspect. If you look into these big ba- battle scenes, Howard the Duck is thrown in these. What? Yes. Is if he? you go, if you go back through this, and I because I caught this in an interview with Bendis, and he was saying like you was pranking him basically more or less and putting Howard the Duck in these <laughs> scenes. So if you go through, you might be able to find him on there. Like it just kind of shows like how crazy they are. And I almost want to Google this while no one's looking. Yeah, at me I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you Google it, you might be able to find it because I swear, like he was in some of these big battle scenes, and and somebody asked him. I can't remember the interview about this, so you can just see that he's lurking somewhere in here. And like that just shows how much the fun they were having. But it also kind of shows how grand scale this stuff is. And especially one thing we always hear with any kind of big crossovers between the big two, primarily is just these moments don't really mean a lot. And in this case, it did because of just how game-changing it was. And just to see these iconic pictures of the battles going on, it just really elevated the story up because, I mean, obviously what happens after here is Dark Rain, and Norman Osborn is now running S.H.I.E.L.D., which turns into Hammer, and that turns into a whole hot mess express. To see just this all kind of tie into the scrolls are defeated and just the next next phase kick in, and especially about how Luke Cage and Jessica Jones get their uh, daughter back. Oh, I see Howard the Duck in this. Sorry, I yeah. found him. You do? I was looking for it right so, now. Land too. If you, he's right behind Reed Richards' head. Yes. Can we get a zoom? There he is. Right behind Reed's head. There yeah, you, you go. Can, for everybody you, was you like, can kind of see him yes, as I'm pointing there. right now. He's he. It looks like he's hiding behind a very statuesque. Uh, That's amazing. Bosom. bosom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's just crazy, but you know, it goes kind of back to just say about how much fun they were having, but also just the gravity of the situation going on. Oh yeah. You like, know, they had the whole toy box, and they weren't afraid to use it. Yeah, and I, I think that's one thing about this crossover that really stood out to me is Bendis at this time was yeah right there. Thank you. Right there. 
There he is. Yep. So Howard is lurking in all these big battle scenes. So when you go back and reread this, this is where you have to go find it. And like I say, it's it's a great little thing that they were doing. And I just remember seeing Bendis's. You could tell he was having fun with this too. He's just like, yeah, every time I get these pages, I find Howard to kind of paraphrase. But it goes to show about like when you have all these characters and you're really allowed that creative freedom to deep dive and really go someplace with this. Like that's what makes it so amazing that, you know, as us as comic readers and depending on like where you're jumping in, like Tom is very new to this. Yep. Matt, you, you know, you said you were just kind of a novice at the time. And me, I'm, yeah, well, we don't need to talk about how old I am. He's the hardest working man in <laughs> yeah. comics and podcasts. Well, Come thank on. you. It's very thank true. You. Check is in the mail. But in this we get ca- paid. What do I say? (laughs) (laughs) But in this kind of situation, you know, you see when the creators are really allowed to let loose, especially at a Marvel level, that this is just fan moments that we talk about and say, like, wait, this is a really cool story. The ending, you know, I felt was a little rushed. I mean, I guess if we could say, like, you know, is there anything else that we really want to talk about the story? We kind of shift to, like, is there anything we didn't really like? Oh, didn't oh, like. Well, I will say there's one final thing that I did like is while Norman Osborn is essentially getting his flowers, Thor in the Avengers, you see the team isn't really the team because Thor basically because it's off the heels of Civil War, he, right. I can't take anything with Howard yeah. on the screen, but I'm just waiting till I'm Tony. just waiting till Howard has a Nerd Initiative logo yes. on him. Um, he's telling Tony essentially like I didn't forget what you did. We will never fight together ever again. Like this yeah. was a once in a lifetime thing. Like we're done. And so meanwhile, like I said, you got Norman getting his flowers. He's taken over the world. And on the other side of things, Tony just lost everything. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's very stark, stark contrast. Hey. Hey. No, but you're exactly right. I mean, I think this kind of gave a good redemption arc going for Tony at the moment. Because, you know, Tony just finds a way to screw up. Oh, yeah. But at this moment, <laughs> like I say, he, he's broken down and there's only one place to go up. And obviously we see the Illuminati start coming into a bigger picture at this moment too, because obviously they've been doing a lot of things that they should not have been doing like they do. Yeah. And they found a, kind of find out the hard way. And this is just one of those fan like series that you kind of read and you got to be excited about because you see everybody together and you really see a true test to them and just such an interesting concept with a longtime villain. And especially when you're allowed to that creative freedom to really run and do some things. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, that face. Yes, Norman Osborn, just be seeing you, your highness. Just yeah, and that evil look, like I say, the artwork here is just, oh, so top-notch. I still hear Willem Dafoe every time I read Osborn. Yes. Oh, yeah, without a yeah, doubt. Yeah, as you should, because he's just definitive oh, yeah. in, in, that, in that stage. But, I mean, there's so much to really like about this. Was there anything that we really didn't like, starting with Tom? I wouldn't have mind a little bit more quippiness from Spidey. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand the severity of everything going on, but sometimes the levity that we can get from from Pete is needed. You know, um, I know we also had the the fun little joke with you know Venom, but but Spider over. You know that was cool. Um, there wasn't anything that I necessarily didn't like. I just would have liked a little bit more of. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Wolverine in the first few pages was great. I, I like the fact that uh, you shot me. I don't care. I'm going to shoot first and ask questions later. You know, that was a, a great, you know, scene right there. All in all, like, again, it's just add to more than wasn't there. Yeah. You know, that's where I, I couldn't find fault with this at all. But it, I will agree that it was very much an up roller coaster ride and then, Instead of a good fall, hey, hey, hey. 
and then instead of a you know a good downbeat it was a straight down and out to resolution you know we did get a few pages and a few good panels of, of a battle but as much buildup as we had emotionally leading up to the big fight and again going looking at the wasps perspective and, and going in with that story i don't think there was a lot of resolution with the characters at the fight at the time that agreed makes sense. agreed matt what do you think was uh, something you, you didn't necessarily like yeah, so I know JJ in the chat earlier kind of said it was the pace was just breakneck, and I agree with that. It's it's a very massive story, and I kind of wish they had a little bit more than eight issues to tell it because for those emotional moments, mm-hmm. right? Like the the Mockingbird, Clint moment, like it would have been nice to have let those breathe just a little more, or maybe the whole final battle climactic sequences kind of not go straight down, right? Like kind of let them breathe and play out just a little bit more, I think. Rather, to, to really f- help you feel these moments because by the end you just kind of feel like you're out of breath and your brain's kind of all over the place because a lot happened and not a lot of time and i get it you know there's there's certain things that go on but yeah just if we had two more issues to kind of let some of this just breathe a little bit i think it would have hit just a little bit harder yeah i agree with you i mean this is kind of going to be a rarity statement for me but i kind of wish we had a filler issue just something to give us a, a, yeah. a like a little buffer in the middle, like between five and six, like that would have been like perfect. Like I'm a, I don't want to say like a, you got to be able to breathe yeah, because there was just so much going on. And when we had the reveals too, I mean, I, I kind of wish that one of them had actually stuck too. Like we really had like Hank Pin had been gone all this time and he really was gone just to kind of really give a sense of just how detailed it was. Cause it almost felt like, I don't want to say too much of a happy ending. Cause I mean, anytime Norman Osborne's on top, it's, it's it's not a happy ending, but I think that if they really kind of had like a bigger level to who the reveals were, like almost like if if Tony Stark was really a scroll the entire time, I think it would have really just elevated just a hair more mm-hmm. and really like done a, a little bit more to sell it too. Like let's say that they took him prisoner when they destroyed the original Scroll World. Like granted, it, it's you know far fetched, but I mean let's put it out there that they did the swap there. I think that that would have really added something to it. Now, speaking of adding things, there were some tie-ins prior to. Mm-hmm. There was about 12 issues there. Uh, and then on top of it, there were f- a few little here and there issues. You can uh, look them up all online. But as far as the base, if you're just following a straight storyline and aren't the type to go off in tangents, yeah, the eight issues, the pacing really, again, to agree with chat, you know, and thank you to everybody in the chat. Absolutely. Uh, it was a breakneck pace. Yeah. I mean, that's the only kind of takeaway I, I would say is like, it was just too fast, but I don't think it really hurt everything overall. Like I think, I just think like once we get to the end, it's like, bam, we get hit. And that's really, really crazy, you know, to think about. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll just kind of say if we got to give a grade on this and however you do your grading system, I know Matt has a fantastic one with the cigars in homage to Wolverine. I do my usual uh, out of 10. Tom, I'll start with you. What would you give this a grade? Solid 9.2 out of 10. Like I said, there's a few little things that I would like more of, mm-hmm. but the emotional aspect that we get out of it, the the action, the throwback costumes, there, like I said, there wasn't much that was wrong with it. I just think that there could have been just a little bit more here and there. Fair enough. Matt, how about you? 
going off your great scale. Yes. So my out of five cigars in honor of the one and only Wolverine, I, uh, I'm giving this about a 4.3 out of five cigars. Um, I'm going to start that fifth cigar, but I'm not going to quite finish it because again, for the reasons that we've already stated and kind of beat to death, right? It's, a uh, just doesn't breathe. If it had just that filler in it, cause it has a lot of really good stuff in this and there's a lot of great action moments and sequences, but we just needed just that little bit more to, uh, to give it that full on chef's kiss. Yeah. Yeah, for me, I kind of went a little back and forth about it. But the when I did the reread, it actually bumped it up because I remember just at this time. And that's the big thing you got to remember, too, when you're reading these older stories. I mean, granted, it's not super old. But in the, in the aspect of when this was all going down, the Avengers were having this big renaissance and really came back to be Marvel's mightiest heroes, not just Earth's. So when you see this all play out and just the dramatic factors going in and Bendis's fantastic writing and just giving you enough emotional punch that you get invested. Meanwhile, with the breakneck action that's going on with you's fantastic artwork, it just really is a perfect blend that like right when you get to the end, had they just slowed up and let it breathe, I think it would have been a 10 out of 10. Yep. But on my mm-hmm. scale, I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10 that I just think it was almost near perfect, except we just didn't have enough time to really soak in those moments. Like when you put down an issue and you know, when you read like a perfect issue and whatever your interpretation is of that. Right. And you kind of sit down and you got to pause just for like a couple seconds, just let it soak in. I don't think we had that moment here until just at the very end. Like if you do a straight read through, which I did today, because I'll be honest, I read everything day of, so it is fresh it is raw. I don't have time to dwell on it. You guys get a live off-the-cuff reaction. I love the branding. I, I, I love how it's thrown in. But no, but that's, the, but that's the truth, though. Like I think if you read this as it was coming out monthly, I don't think it would have hit as much, mm-hmm. like per se. But like when you start reading and there's just so much like big action, big action, big action, it's just a lot to process, especially when you see how it's all pairing up. Yep. And like I say, there's so many moving parts, which I, I give him credit for handling, too, because oh, yeah. you had the entire Marvel universe in the palm of your hands. And we're introducing new characters like the Initiative, like yep. the Young Warrior, or, uh, Young Avengers, uh, Secret Warriors. Like there's so many people involved. I don't feel anybody got overlooked, per se. Like the key players mm-hmm. really got their time to shine. And I think that, yeah, especially you see how everybody's on screen right here and how crazy this moment is. And this is just one of the fight scenes you see going on. Everybody really has their balance. I'm looking for Howard the Duck now, too. I know. Uh, that's exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> yeah, he's there. He's he's there. I definitely want to have everybody hit us up on Twitter at nerd underscore initiative and let us know your pictures when you find them, too, because I think that be something really great. Also, speaking of throwing the toy box out there, I love the fact that Hulkling got a minute or two right there just a yes. few little panels you know especially with everything that you know eventually with i don't know if this was out at that point hulkling i'm talking about him and his relationship mm-hmm. so to see hulkling and wiccan and have that you know seeing what was developing there if it was already going on i did like that little nod and hey i'm part scroll maybe i can talk to him yeah no, i mean oh, yeah. you saw you saw just the emergence of the young heroes too yep that was one thing that i thought they were really trying to push as well and obviously, Young Avengers is still popular to this day. I feel we will see more of them down the road. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. 
Say no um, more. Say no more. Yep. I do. I do appreciate the initiative because I know that one of the teams in Pennsylvania is actually out of my hometown of Philadelphia. So you know, I, the Libertines. Yes. <laughs> but it it just goes to show about how great this story is. Oh yeah. And this is one that if you're a Marvel Comics fan, you definitely need to go check out. And we actually have a little something fun for you, the Nerd Initiative audience. Yes, we do. Because this is the inaugural edition of Turn a Page. And our great uh, owner, uh, leaders of Nerd Initiative, uh, shout out to Michael Rothman, shout out to Tony, uh, Mr. Marvelite on social media. Uh, we are going to be doing a giveaway for the entire uh, series. That's right. And, take a look. And not just the entire series, the Gabriel D'Alto 1 in 100 variant. So if you want to get this, it's very simple. You scan the code. Just like that person did. Yep. And you sign up, and you get right there to the Nerd Initiative website. We get signed up for the newsletter, which if you're not following everything going on with Nerd Initiative, you need to get signed up for that. So you definitely want to make sure you're doing that right now. We'll be drawing the winner at the end of the month. So we want to give enough time so when people see the replays of this, we'll definitely have enough time to let it breathe. But like I say, you get the entire series and the variant, which is one of the hardest comics to get your hands on. Stunning stunning artwork. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like I say. Two codes. We're trying to make this worth your while because like we, we like to back up what we say. We want you to have these amazing comics in your collection. We talk about them in deep dives. I guess we should say spoiler warning at the beginning, but obviously this one has been out for quite some time. A long time. Yes. So... Obviously, this is one that we give a deep dive to. And if you really want to see what's going on, hell, if you're just interested to see where you can find Howard the Duck, this will make it all the worthwhile. Plus, you get an amazing variant that you can't find anywhere else. So, I mean, obviously, shout out to Michael and Tony and everybody at Nerd Initiative for hooking this up. You see the QR code on screen. Definitely make sure you scan that and make sure you head on over to nerdinitiative.com and sign up at the contact page. And we will be drawing the winner on the show at the end of the month. So definitely excited to do that. Very much so. So that being said, before we head out, obviously, it's new comic book day tomorrow. So throw in on the spot. Matt, I know you got a couple great reviews. Is there any book that you think, you know, you're looking at everybody, Marvel, DC, whoever's coming out, what is one book that you th- definitely want to recommend this week? Man, you know, this week they're uh, kind of re-releasing it because they're getting ready to do another run by this writer in September and the movie's coming out, hasn't gotten a lot of hype. So uh, I wanted to go ahead and give blue beetle graduation day oh, a, uh, pick. a shout out by writer Josh Trujillo, who also has a couple other things coming out that uh, you know, you should get your hands on. Uh, but this is a six issue run. It wrapped up in April. They're about to re-release something tomorrow actually. And then again, like I said, he's actually going to do a scarab run of blue beetle in September. And so they're getting the gang back together. The movie's getting ready to come out. So if you want to get familiar, I highly recommend picking up Graduation Day. It's a a lot of fun. It shows Jaime growing. He's kind of trying to figure himself out as a teenager. And uh, man, it's it's got, of course, you know, it's got some some surprises and some things in there. A couple additions to the Beetle family. But uh, this is definitely one that's just really fun to read and a great introduction to the character. If you don't really know a whole lot about him, absolutely. Tom, how about you? Iceman. Ooh, great pick. He's he's Bobby Drake. I mean, an Omega level mutant. He's getting his issue one tomorrow. Fine. And you know, the, and the thing too, if you're not following the X Men line, I know we didn't do a deep dive about this, but if you have not picked up the Hellfire Gala issue, oh, that just came yes. out. 
one of the most insane reads I have done in quite some time, and I love this issue. I think we need to cover it. Oh, we will. Trust me. See, the now f- I just know the artwork. I, I've seen gorgeous. I love the art. There, there's yeah. so much to process, and we definitely will because I want to talk about that. Wrong Iceman. Yeah. But, <laughs> well, you it never was, know. Val- it could be. I mean, it, it could be a multiverse. I think he's goosing me right now. Yeah. Oh, oh well played. You're well dangerous. Played. You know, but that's the one thing with the fall of X that's coming out right now, too. Like, if you are not getting ready for what they're doing with the X-Men line over at Marvel, they have got some really cool books coming out. And I'll be honest, like, there's one book that I'm I'm circling the calendar for. It's Dark X-Men by Steve Mm. Fox and Jonas Scharf. That one, I'm telling you right now, knowing their previous work and to see those two now on a book together— Take my money now. <laughs> I am like I will probably be posting obnoxiously on social media, so I will give everybody fair warning in advance. But I am super excited to check that out. We can talk about Howard the Duck at some time. I see I see JJ in the cha- or JT in the chat. We could definitely talk about that at some point. I mean, he does have a lot of things coming out. Howard the Duck. I mean, you think about how much of a pop culture icon he is. I was actually hoping he became an Avenger after this series. Technically, wasn't he part of one of Strange's teams? As the mystical protectors, ah, uh, yeah, you know, it's something like I know there was it was the not the defenders was the order. I think it, I think he was. There's been so many interpretations of that team that I lose track a lot. So we'll <laughs> definitely we'll definitely have to talk about that at some point. And obviously, if you guys have any recommendations, hit us up at nerdinitiative.com and let us know what kind of books you you want us to break down for you. Because we like talking about those great stories. Uh, for me this week, oh man, there is so much good stuff coming out. Uh, I'm going to say Adventures of Superman, John Kent. Ooh, Tom yeah. Taylor Ooh. and Clayton Henry just came out. The whole thing that Tom Taylor, and even the entire Superman line, I know we're talking Marvel on the show, but listen, i got to give DC some love too. The Superman line right now at DC has been some of the best books on the market. And the dawn of DC is really bringing things back to where it's all about superheroes. And I think the stuff that Tom Taylor has done, I mean, one of the best writers in comics, Nightwing, is a whole entity onto its own. We will be talking about that in the near future. But to see what he did with Jonathan Kent in this entire storyline and how insanely amazing he takes the Injustice universe and ties it in there. And the conclusion of the arc, yeah, issue number four is up right now. Issue number six is the one that just came out. I'm telling you right now, it is absolutely incredible to see that ending. And it is one that I think fans are going to be really, really enjoying. So there's so much at the comic shops this week. You definitely want to make sure that you're going out and going picking up these books. If you need recommendations, nerdinitiative.com. We have got you so many picks this week. Is going to be one that obviously we become your new destination on New Comic Book Day. So starting right at 9 a.m., you're going to see a bunch of great reviews from Matt, Marty Stoked, JJ, Derek from Paperweight Entertainment, yours truly, and even more to come. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that. So before we get on out of here, make sure obviously you're clicking the QR code. Matt, why don't you tell everybody how to find you and everything going on at Hopskeeks News? Absolutely. So yeah, we are just you know a comic book movie. TV, mostly focused on comic books right now during the writer's strike. Um, go support them, by the way, please. Absolutely. Uh, we feature uh, a beer of the week. We talk about the latest in news. We talk about what we've been reading or watching. We talk about uh, even what we've messed up on. It's a really good time. My co-host Lauren and I do it together. 
and uh, she's off adventuring right now on vacation. But next week, we actually have Josh Trujillo on the show with us. Hey, and, uh, we talk about Blue Beetle. So, uh, you know, I had to plug it for this week too. Check out that comic. Make sure to uh, find us. I'm on social media. The easiest way is Hops Geek News. Find us anywhere on social media at that handle. And a 99% chance you're going to get me behind the socials. Um, so go ahead and do that. And yes, yes, uh, JT, I made a joke on Twitter today because uh, I'm moving to a very expensive place. And I said, I'm going to start selling feet pics. <laughs> uh, apparently, I've got one already ready to buy. So <laughs> tune yeah, in there, though. It'll, it'll be packaged up with a nerd initiative pouch. <laughs> yes, yes, with a little nerd initial logo on, on the feet, you know. But uh, yeah, no, make sure to check out my review tomorrow too, where I, Buffy the Last Vampire Slayer from Boom Studios. Oh, can't wait to check that out. We love stuff from Boom. Yes, shout we out do. to Boom Studios, amazing people. Yes, they are. Tom, I mean, I, you have a little bit of an announcement too, ironically. Well, interestingly enough, for the past two weeks, about ish, 10 days, maybe, maybe so on, uh, all my social medias have had a big blue question mark on it uh i am for the past several years i've been going by off the cuff gaming and slowly i've been pushing out off the cuff tom i'm getting away from gaming because as life changes for all of us we don't have the time to really do the streaming and the gaming and whatnot this is perfectly fit in my hectic schedule and i can't wait to keep going on with this so officially after this show my brand new logo and branding of off the cuff tom will go live on all social media let's you go can find me on the twitters on the instagrams or the x whatever the heck elon's calling it this week <laughs> um you know the youtube the facebook all the stuff on the interwebs uh threads will be coming up soon uh it's i am probably not the best pe person on social media but if you hit me up i will hit you directly back within 10 minutes i am that i will be right on top of it so it is just the the snowball effect is coming folks and i can't wait to you know be here for the ride yeah no worries. i'm super happy to have you guys on the show and obviously we're gonna be getting more of the nerd initiative bullpen in on here too plus we got some more stuff in the works too so like we don't want to reveal everything just yet but we obviously want to hear what you thought about the show so obviously nerdinitiative.com and nerd initiative on all the socials as bring it jt bring it as for yours truly very simple short and sweet odph podcast for anything or.com for anything and everything that is the odph so that being said, folks, thank you for checking out the inaugural edition of Turn a Page. And remember, when you go to a comic shop and you see somebody looking at it for a story and you have one in your hands, hand it off to them and tell them, turn a page. We'll see you next time. Ooh.